Hey friend, it's Hilary Walsh. I'm coming to you today with some leadership knowledge taken straight from my life that I hope is helpful to you. Just as a quick frame of reference, I run a multi seven figure law firm out of Phoenix, Arizona. I have no MBA. I have uh, no background really in running a business other than having grown up in an entrepreneur family because my mom and dad own their own business. But over the past four years, I've grown my business from zero dollars, zero clients, zero connections, zero referrals because we moved from overseas to the United States after having been gone for four years. So I knew no one when I moved to Arizona. And then today I have, you know, we're, we got over a hundred people working for us and we are rocking and rolling, trying to do about $6 million in revenue this year, helping immigrants live free at New Frontier Immigration Law. So my goal with these episodes about leadership and really with this podcast is to introduce you to really amazing, cool people and pick apart how they view life because I think so much of what leadership is, is digesting things internally so that the events we see externally are viewed through a lens of gratitude, positivity, giving people the benefit of the doubt, knowing that the universe has your back, knowing that God has a great plan in store for you, even if you can't understand what it is right now and you're enduring a storm. I believe all of those things, and it's amazing to see it across the spectrum with lots of other different people. So that's our interview series. And then on these shorter series, hopefully they're shorter. I get a little long-winded. What my hope is, is I want to bring you valuable things that I wish that I had maybe learned or heard along the way. The person who I always have in mind when I'm, when I'm recording these is myself about 10 or 15 years ago, or maybe even five years ago when I was really just getting so fed up with life and so fed up with my situation where, you know, I just never had enough. We never had enough money. We were constantly fighting over finances, knowing that there had to be a better way. And yet we had four kids and, and, you know, a life to live because the Air Force was moving us around constantly. And I just, you know, you get to a breaking point. And so these podcasts are recorded for those people who maybe you are so frustrated or, you know, maybe it's just you're frustrated today. Frustration is a a feeling. It's not, um, it's not who you are. It's something you experience temporarily, but these podcasts are recorded for those people. And I talk about men and women equally in this podcast because I don't want it to seem like I'm just like the information, the content I want to share with you is for men and women. But the person I really have in my mind who I would love to be able to help is a woman who perhaps doesn't have someone in her life who she's ever seen be a successful businesswoman. You know, it was in 1988 that Ronald Reagan signed into law, thank you Congress in the 1980s for for lobbying and, and making this happen and getting it to Ronald Reagan's desk for him to sign into law. But it was in 1988 that women for the very first time in U.S. history could get a business loan without a male co-signer. So in my lifetime, because I was born in 85, when I was three years old was the first time a woman could walk into, let's say the SBA or a regular old bank and get a loan to either leverage someone else's money to get her business scaled and going even further or maybe to open a business and just start a business without getting the permission and co-signing, literally co-signing of a man. So when we look at books like Think and Grow Rich and um, you know all these like really cool mindset books where they're 
looking at who the successful people were throughout history, they were always men. And I never really understood why, like where were all the innovative women in these stories? I mean, I knew that women were being oppressed, that, you know, they had to fight really hard to get their right to vote and things like that. Like I got that on this, you know, I don't know, basic level, I guess, but I never really understood why when I'm reading Napoleon Hill interviewing the most successful people, and if you haven't read Think and Grow Rich, I'm with you. I haven't gotten all the way through it either. I always stop and implement so much, and it's been four years of trying to read that book. It's like between that and the Bible, I don't know if I'm ever going to get through them. You read these, and you're like, why are why is it just men? Why is Henry Ford, who had no formal education beyond a couple years in you know elementary and, and maybe a little bit of middle school, why is he so super successful, and yet there's no woman interviewed or written about in this book and then today in 2022 we look at you know the majority of businesses started every single year particularly right now in this era the majority of new businesses are started by women and yet a very 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 small like laughably small percentage of those businesses laughably like in a sarcastic kind of snarky way not in the haha way a disgustingly small, I want to refine my language here, number of those brand new businesses that start out who are women owned go on to do more than a million dollars in revenue. And the statistics drop more and more and more in terms of numbers of years that they stay, that their doors stay open. And the number of women owned businesses that actually get to eight figures is is even lower. And so one of my personal goals in the next year is to have an eight-figure business. Eight figures within five years is my goal. And the goal is not just for me. It'll be a really cool little feather in my cap. It'll mean that I'm helping a whole crap load of immigrants who live in the United States and need to live free. It will mean that I'm able to employ a lot more people and help bless their families so that they make living wages and can then impact their children and, and their communities because we made this decision. But really what I want to do is join this small group of women-owned businesses, of women-owned business owners who are making eight figures so that there are more people in everyone else's path, in the Hillary and, you know, five, six years ago when I was very first really deciding I, I just I had to start my business, I had to do something. That girl, that young woman, she didn't have anyone in her path ahead of her who had really forged this new journey, who had gone to this new place. She didn't have anyone in front of her who was a trailblazer who had done eight figures, much less a million dollars. She just didn't know anyone. So I want to become the person who's out there for you to be like, look, if Hillary Walsh can do this, you better bet your ass I can. Because that's how I really believe. Like there's a lot of hard work that goes into this. Not like hard work, you know, where you're out laying bricks. That's real hard work. It really is just a lot of dedication that goes into this. But this podcast is for you. The person who thinks, I, I've never seen anyone do this before. I read, I see Tony Robbins. I see Dan Sullivan. I see Ed Milet. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, all these people who were successful businessmen who are preaching this conversation about belief 
and we know that representation matters and so I want to be part of that representation for you for you to say if Hillary Walsh can do this I can do this because I don't really have anything special about me I really don't I think I'm a unique person just like I think you're a unique person but there's nothing special about me other than I am I just know I'm going to do it it just is a matter of time and I know that you can do it and so if you are you know 18 years old and you think I don't want to go to college I want to start a business or I don't want to go to college I don't know what I want to do girlfriend let's start you a business let's find a way for you to make your own life and you call the shots and you be a leader in your community and maybe you don't want to start a business maybe you are you know 25 years old and you just had your first baby and you're a stay-at-home parent and you know you feel a little bit bogged down this content is still so valuable for you because I have been in the same perhaps rocking chair nursing babies and running a house and doing those things where you start to feel a little bit like what's the point of all this I knew I wanted to be a parent but I wasn't really sure that I signed up for this there is leadership in the way you run your house and whether I mean when we when we really get down to it sometimes it's very difficult to to be a good parent and sometimes it's really difficult to be a good spouse and yet here we are we've made this decision we've got to figure out a way to stick it out you know assuming that you're in a healthy relationship and ought to stick it out but what I want to do is provide encouragement for you because you are a leader in your community even if you don't regard yourself that way you have influence and sway and a platform even within your own household um, definitely within your own household definitely within your immediate community and on a bigger platform you you too if you want to can have a lot of influence and so I want to encourage you with some of this stuff where in this episode we're going to talk about finances and how you know I was you know just super ignorant when it came to finances and it was something that for a long time I it was a belief I had about myself it was a very negative belief and I was very embarrassed about it and just completely avoided it and it kept finances kept being the number one argument I had over and over and over with my husband until I decided I may not be good with numbers but I'm gonna make some money and so it might be finances other episodes we're going to talk about hiring we're going to talk about managing people we're going to talk about managing hormones and energy um, in an interview we have uh, already dropped you should go check out that one with Kate Northrup it's fantastic I want you to believe that you're a leader it just you got to start looking around and seeing who you're influencing and right now maybe it's just you you just need to lead you because that I believe is where it begins leadership starts from the inside works its way out and I want you to show up and create an even better place in our universe and if you do decide you want to be a businesswoman or maybe you want to decide you're a businessman for my male listeners I want you to know that there's some there are lots of people out here who are forging this path I am not alone but if Hillary Walsh can do it you can too thanks so much for tuning in I hope you enjoy this episode I remember one of the first times that I realized how bad I was with money when I was 19 and on a date of some sort with my now husband of almost 19 years. And we went to the grocery store for something. Sounds like it was really, my memory is that it was a really cool date. But you know, when you're 19, sometimes you got to run to the grocery store. 
And I paid for my groceries with Sean there with me, with my debit card. And the lady who was the checking me out at the grocery store told me, you know, hey, your car didn't work. And I was like, oh, okay, well, why don't you try pulling off? And I told her to pull something off of the thing. And we did that and it didn't, and I tried to run my card again and it still didn't work. And we did it again. And I just kept taking things off because in all sincerity, I had no idea how much money was in my bank account. I was the only one who was relying on my income. And, you know, my way of balancing my checkbook was to run the card. And if it worked, great. And if it didn't, well, take something off and we'll just get the bare essentials. I didn't know that that wasn't normal because no one had ever taught me financial literacy. So my mom and dad, to their great credit, taught me how to earn money. They taught me the work ethic. They taught me how to sell. Like from the time I was 10 years old, I was working in their floor covering business. So I knew how to make money, but I didn't know how to manage my money. And I had no real financial literacy. And I didn't even know that it was a problem because I had gone from being my dad's daughter to very quickly thereafter, my husband's wife. And even all these years later, Sean still manages all the money in our life. Now, of course, I'm just, I really have leaned into the fact that I know how to make money. And so I just go out and make money and I get to spend, for the most part, whatever I want, of course, within reason. But I didn't know as a 19-year-old that that wasn't normal until I looked over at this guy who I was dating. Mind you, like I had started dating Sean. One of his most attractive capabilities when he and I were first dating was the fact that I was in a college algebra class for like the third time because I kept failing it. And Sean was really good at math. And so he was tutoring me on how to do college algebra so that I could get through this college class. The look on his face was complete horror and very much embarrassed to be even standing next to me while I'm going through this exercise. And I have no shame in my game. Like whatever lady, I, you know, like just take it off the belt. We'll, we'll try to ring this up again. So I share this because fast forward all these years later and for a really long time, I always said, I am not good at math. I'm not good with numbers. Finances stress me out. You know, I don't understand financial reports. This is boring. Sean keeps a very down to the penny. All of my Air Force and military spouse friends or military members who are listening. I know you know what I'm talking about where you have this spreadsheet that is down to the penny projected out for the next 10 years, the income that you're going to have and what you're going to put in savings and when you're going to go into the red and when you're going to come back into the black, depending on what bills you have. Like Sean has this and I call it, I used to tease him calling it counting his gold. Like you had these little gold coins that you're stacking up and moving around throughout the month and making sure that you have enough gold in order to pay your bills and live your life. I mean, the better part of 15 years, even, you know, probably 25 years, 30 years almost, I always said that I just wasn't good at math and I wasn't good with numbers when in fact, I'm very, very good at math and I'm very, very good at money because I know how to make money. So what I want to encourage you, if you are like me and had no training, you know, nobody ever taught me, I, th I think someone may have encouraged me to try count, to try balancing a checkbook or, you know, looking at what your financial projections are going to be like. But for whatever reason, it just didn't interest me enough to really pay attention. And then you start to feel really ignorant. And then you're trying to propel yourself into this idea of being a businesswoman. And then you have in the back of your mind how the last time you managed money, you were at the grocery store telling somebody to take your tampons off the conveyor belt and we'll just get the little container of pads instead because you didn't know if you had $7.49 in your checking account or $9.49 in your checking account. So those types of things, they stay with you 
when it's time for you to make a shift into becoming this other person. And what I don't want you to do is feel like you have to go out and take a whole bunch of financial literacy classes and become more and more skilled at this because what you need to be skilled at, you probably already are. You know, I went to law school and the running joke and the law school community and really the attorney community is that attorneys can't do math. Otherwise, they would be scientists or doctors or engineers or things like that. But when you go to calculate your fees for your bill that you give your client, you're always pretty accurate on that. So I promise even attorneys, really at the end of the day, we can do math just fine. We've just been told for a really long time that we can't. And I think that especially women, there's this big emphasis right now. I have three daughters in elementary school. There's a big emphasis on STEM right now. And I think that's cool because we're going to change the mindset. The words that my daughters say about math are not, I am bad at math or I can't do math or girls can't do math, which is something that I grew up believing. I don't know if I really heard it. My mom's great at math. My dad's really great at math. But in any event, somehow I believed that. And I know that as a society, things in the 80s and 90s are different than they are now in 2020s. But when you start to change the way you think about yourself, it will allow you to step into another version of yourself, the bigger, more influential, greater impact, bigger platform version of yourself that I know that you can have. So when I first started to realize that I was actually really good with money was when I would have to figure out we were living in Korea. I had gone to law school and passed the bar exam at this point, still believed I was not good with numbers. We're living in Korea. I have to walk. I'm not kidding. Those of you who have been stationed at Osan Air Base, you know what I'm talking about when I say you had to walk uphill both ways to get to the grocery store. It was a, you know, we only had one car. So we were only allowed one car. And I had three kids under two at the time. So I had the twins in the stroller and I would wear like in a baby carrier, like the one on the hangover, I would wear a baby. And that would be how we go to the grocery store. But because goods were shipped to the American grocery store on base, they weren't locally sourced whatsoever, they would rot really fast because like avocados were being shipped from Mexico all the way over to Korea. And so you would have like a 12 second window of when an avocado would be good when you lived in Korea because they're just out of season and they really ought not be on the base. But you know, you want your avocados because you get really spoiled by eating them and having access to them in America. So you'd have to go to, I say that because you'd have to go to the grocery store very frequently. But in order to maximize your time in the grocery store with three kids under two and to, you know, limit the time that you're walking to and from and to maximize your income, because we had gone from having two incomes. My income before we moved to Korea was as big or larger than my husband's. And then we moved to Korea and we eliminate that income and we add another kid. You have to be very mindful of your resources. And so this is when I would start to do like very extravagant, very detailed meal planning. And, and really my day plan had to be so calculated because I had three kids who were napping, three kids who were in diapers, three kids who were in high chairs and or breastfeeding. Lucy was breastfeeding while I had the twins, you know, giving them solids. And, and I was also then soon after that potty training them. So it was a really wild time when you think about all the things that have to happen in a day and you have to grocery shop, you got to go to the mail and you know, you just have to really, really plan your day. This is when I realized I was actually very good with money and with numbers because I would plan out with great detail what we were going to eat. You know, what's this one pound of ground beef cost? And you start to build this budget. It's your meal plan budget. But I had no, when it was time for me to become a businesswoman, to go from being a really, really 
good stay-at-home mom who could run my household with efficiency, who could still do social activities, who still was advancing my career, you know, basically moonlighting, doing immigration work on the side and writing law review articles that's getting published and all this other stuff that was going on in my life. I was still running my household because my husband was working 10, 12, 14 hours a day. That's just the way it goes sometimes, right? I needed to tap into that woman when it was time for me a few years later to start running a business because I had never made a business plan. I had never looked at financial reports. I didn't know one hand from the other hand when it came to looking at a profit and loss statement. I didn't even know what that meant. And you get in a room full of people when you go to these coaching events or, you know, you're going to go to a law firm or whatever. And the first thing they ask is, let me see your business plan. And what was your gross revenue from last year? And what's your profitability on each of the goods or the services that you provide? And you start to think and you get in your head about this old belief of, I don't know how to do math. This makes me uncomfortable. I just want to be a lawyer. And maybe it's, you know, you can fill in the blank about whatever the, I just want to be a blank. But if you are thinking about running a business, if it's a side hustle, that's going to make you make you an extra $500 a week that you want to stash away so that your family can go on an amazing vacation and you can give your kids, maybe it's the Christmas that you really want to give your kids and you need to start, my mom calls it rat holing away money. She's notorious for like stashing a hundred dollar bill and hiding it from herself and then forgetting where she hid it from herself. And then she will find this money and she's like, yes, it has come back to me just at the time that I needed it. And she did that a lot when we were kids and had no money. She would hide it from herself, but you got to rat hole away this money. So number one, you have to be very clear on the fact that you, maybe you have not done this specific skill before. I had never done a business plan before, but I had run a home very efficiently. And I'll tell you now, I have over a hundred employees, a hundred people work for me. And some of the very best people are people who have run a household. So whether they're men or women, if they've run a household, then they know how to think in advance. They know how to anticipate things that are coming. They know that if, you know, I'm running to the grocery store and I'm only able to go once a week, I'm going to make sure to check if I need to get laundry detergent, baby wipes, diapers, and toilet paper. I'm going to make sure that we have those things, you know, bread, milk, and eggs, because I'm not going to run out of the basics. That type of stuff just never slips your mind. So when it's time for you to step into this new version of you, I'm going to become a businesswoman. I'm going to become a businessman. I promise there's no amount of education that you need to have in order to do that. It really is just a matter of deciding that you're going to do it and learn along the way. You're going to build the bicycle while you ride it, fly the airplane while you fly it. it the wings are going to break off while you're midair and you're going to go over and patch that part up and then something will go wrong somewhere else within your business. It's always going to be this constant level of learning, but you have, you already have the skills they just don't, like you already have the skills. You've already sharpened that ability. They just may not look on a resume the same as what you think that they need to look. But if you are telling yourself, I'm not good at math. I'm not good at numbers. I've never done this before. I'm really not qualified to do this. Then all of the things that you're saying will be true. So like I listened to a really cool Oprah conversation, like a, a thing that she hosted an event. She was apparently hosting with Pastor Joel Osteen in Texas. And they were talking about how important it is 
to focus on the words that you say after I am. So I am not good at numbers would be, of course, one of the very negative, toxic ways of trying to step into being a businessman or a businesswoman. You're not going to become a good businessman or a businesswoman if you literally say, I'm not good at numbers, because then you're going to tank your business because you're going to have this belief. And then if and when it is time for you to hire someone to help you with that, you're not going to trust them. You know, you're just going to have all this negativity around the one thing that you want to be happy to see. And that's your numbers, your numbers. You know, you make so many good decisions with numbers. So if you're saying I'm not good with numbers, then you're really, you're really putting yourself at a huge disadvantage. And you're right. You're not going to be good at numbers if you say that you're not good at numbers. So the Oprah episode, we'll have to link into the show notes and we'll send you from this podcast to another podcast because I listened to it on Spotify and it was called I am, and it was Oprah's super soul. And it was really, it was really encouraging for me. I needed to hear it at the time. And as I was kind of getting my kids ready for school and running my household in the morning efficiently so that I could then go run my business efficiently, I I just can't help but notice all the different overlaps. So going back to kind of where we started, which was once upon a time, I believed that I was not good with numbers and that I didn't need to balance my checkbook and all of those things. And that it really embarrassed my husband, you know, my then boyfriend to see me treating money with such disregard. And for a long time, I felt really ashamed of that, like some type of idiot who just really doesn't belong in an environment where we're talking about finance reports. That regard of money has been something Stay with me here because it's going to, it's not going to sound like it makes any sense initially, I bet. But that disregard, like, you know, Sean and I've actually been to marriage counseling because of the way I view money versus the way he views money. I have always viewed money as monopoly money. Like I know how to go out and make more money. I always will be able to, like, I'm never going to be homeless. I'm never going to lose my house because I have known from the time I was 10 years old, helping my mom and dad sell their first, they, they have a floor covering business. So it's carpet, tile, wood, laminate, all that type of stuff that you put on the floor in your home or your business. We sold that to people. And when my dad and mom started that business out, I was 10 years old and we had to figure out like, this is the role of carpet we spent all of our money on. We need to sell it and we need to sell it this week in order to have food for for this family. Like this is what you have to do. And so you figure out like, you know, you figure out how to sell. And then once you figure out how to sell, you have way less attachment to the money that you have in your pocket because you know you can go out and make more of it. So I used to feel really ashamed and embarrassed of the fact that like, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and balance my checkbook. I'm just going to buy what I need. And I think that that comes from actually probably a very irresponsible place. I I didn't have kids to provide for and that sort of thing. So I'm not like advocating that, but you know, I want to look back on that, that 19 year old Hillary. And if you can relate where maybe like right now, you know, I remember, gosh, when we first moved back to Arizona after having been overseas for like over four years and I had access to Target again. And Sean would tell me, if you're going out, do not spend money. We have no extra money whatsoever. And him telling me that almost created this like, you know, a rebellion in me where I would go to Target. And in my mind, I would be going in for like toothpaste. And then, you know, you walk out of Target and it's impossible to leave as a middle-class white lady. In my experience, it's impossible to leave without spending at least a hundred dollars. So I would go to Target for toothpaste and walk out and spend a hundred dollars and know that I was 
probably going to like almost get in trouble. There was going to be an argument when we got home and my husband would be like, I don't know what to tell you. Why don't you look at the numbers and you do the math and you figure out how we're going to pay our bills when you go to Target and you spend a hundred dollars we don't have. And this continued for so many years and it continued to reinforce the fact that I felt like I just, I couldn't do numbers. I am not responsible with money. But really what it came down to was I needed to be the one in charge of my own destiny. And I needed to be the one in charge of whether I, if I wanted something, I needed to go out and work to be able to get it. And that's what led me to becoming my own boss and deciding like, what is the life that I, what is the lifestyle I want to have? And, you know, year over year from the first year I opened my business, we did over $750,000 in revenue. In the second year, you know, we did a million dollars, over a million dollars in revenue. Third year, over two and a half million dollars. And then this year, you know, our goal is to hit, to do $6 million in business this year. I think that we're probably going to settle around five, five and a half, but I'm not giving up on a really big December because that's a really important time in my business's life cycle because it's, it's all about families and we really, we, we all get, you know, really motivated to, to get families together. I share this not because I want you to be like, oh, wow, look at these numbers. This is not like how big is my penis contest? What it is though, especially for my sisters who are listening, who you have convinced yourself that maybe you're not, or you've just told yourself enough times that maybe a piece of you believes it, that you're not good at numbers. You're not financially savvy, that you can't be a businesswoman. I promise like the person who tells themselves that probably actually has a superpower with it. Like I always had a bookkeeper because it was not a skill set of mine to balance my own books. From day one, I always had a bookkeeper who was taking care of the finances and making sure that my business was always running on the up and up in terms of taxes and all that other stuff that you just don't want to find yourself entangled on anything with. But if you can go out and make money, then you are good with numbers. So if you're good at sales or if you're good at helping to encourage people to make a decision to change their life for the better, I don't care if you're selling lipstick or real estate or hair products or eyelash extensions or legal services. If you can help people go from, if I don't have this to, you know, if I don't have this thing that you're selling in my life, how will I feel on the other end of that? Will I be happy, sad, somewhere in the middle? You know, what is, what's the outcome going to be if I have this thing in my life? So if, if it's lipstick that you're selling and you know that this is a great product, that it stays on all day, it looks great. It's, you know, whatever the, the benefit of your lipstick is, then if you really believe in that product, then you need to be talking to people about it and helping them make the decision to buy your lipstick instead of the gajillion others that are on, you know, hanging on the wall in Walgreens for a dollar ninety nine, and they should be buying yours for seventeen ninety nine because it's going to just absolutely enhance their experience. They're not going to have crap all over their clothes if they happen to wipe their mouth um, with the back of their hand after they sneeze or something, and then their clothes are ruined because their lipstick stays on. I don't know. I'm just making up something. But what I'm trying to say, and I hope that it's landing, is that you have to tell yourself, I am, in this instance, I'm great with numbers. I just don't want to do financial reports. Cool. I don't need to do financial reports. 
I can make money and pay someone else and bless their life because I've hired someone else who actually enjoys doing that. And then they can show me that, you know what, you were very profitable this month or you were not as profitable this month. You need to cut employment costs or bring your client acquisition numbers up, you know, and then you can, you have someone who's telling you exactly where to go and what to do. But if you're hung up in, I don't have financial literacy training, which none of us really get that like in high school or in middle school or anywhere else, you just get that in life or you got to go pay to get an MBA or some type of finance degree. Just get it in life. You will figure it out. You have already been prepared in order to do this. Like even if you have tons and tons of credit card debt, that just shows that you like spending. It's not that you're bad with numbers. It's just that you like spending and that there is a way for you to change that. You just need to earn more so you can keep spending at the rate that you're spending and pay it down so that, you know, you, your money is working for you rather than against you. So all of my listeners, if you feel me, you went from being maybe your dad's daughter to your husband's wife, or if you went from being your dad's daughter to your wife's wife, or whatever the case may be, where you have maybe some hang up around being a businesswoman and what skills you do or don't have, and especially if they're related to, I don't feel confident with numbers. You do not need to be confident with numbers. You need to be confident with sales. And you have to have the balls to go out and talk about the service that you're providing. The numbers will all, like they will come to you and you'll be able to hire people to help you with those things. That should be the end goal. Not, I need to go take this college class on how to write a business plan or I need to sign up for this workshop or whatever. And those things are great. I mean, I today... I just did a business planning workshop with a business consultant who I pay thousands and thousands of dollars every month to work with. But I didn't start out that way. It didn't start out that way. It started out with, I have this service, I'm going to sell it. And so help me God, I am not going to go under. I am going to take control of my life because this is my one true life. And I do not want to be dependent on somebody. If I want to go to Target and spend a hundred bucks, I want to be able to do that. So get a little fed up, get a little decisive and be focused on what you're saying after the words, I am. I am excited to see what I can do with this product. I am excited. I am looking forward to developing this skill because I don't feel confident with it right now, but I'm confident in my ability to find the answer. You know, I think it's Henry Ford who um, in Think and Grow Rich, he, he says something to the effect of, he's quoted as saying something to the effect of, education is not going to school and being taught something. Education, being someone who is educated, is someone who knows how to find the answers to things. And I think that's, in my experience, what they taught me in, in undergrad and what they taught me in law school was how to research and how to go find the answer for yourself so that you can, you know, solve whatever problems come up within your particular field. And life has already educated you to the exact level that you need to be educated. The more we as women stay wrapped around this axle of we're not good at money. We're not good with money. We're not good at finances. I don't want to part with this money. I don't know if this is the right thing to spend on. Take all of that energy and just turn it into, I am good at sales. I am good at making money. I am a rainmaker. I can help people make the decision to buy my product or service because I am confident that it is the best one for them. And if it's not, I will be honest and have a high integrity conversation with them to let them know that, look, I don't think this is the best product for you. I think that perhaps you should look into doing X, Y, and Z because that's ethical. So money, finances, numbers are your friend. Focus 
on the fact that you provide a great service and you can sell it and the numbers and the money and the reports and the business plan and all of those other things that, you know, we think we need to have, those things will all fall into place. First, get confident with sales. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to my first all by myself episode on gratitude and leadership. I hope that next time you're at the grocery store and that things are going through on the, the, I guess the conveyor belt or whatever it might be, you're thinking about me when you go to run your card. I think we've all been there where we weren't sure if the card was going to work. And I hope that you think of me and think of this moment and that you start thinking to yourself, I am good with numbers. I am good at this. I am excited to see how this, how I develop this new skill. And I hope that you will, if this touched you, uh, spoke to you in any way, I hope that you will do me the great favor of sharing this with a buddy. Send a text to them and say, um, hey, sis, I think that you might really enjoy this. Or, hey, man, um, if you're my husband, hey, hey, babe, uh, if you could shoot it to a friend um, who you think might benefit from this in any way, that would be the greatest gift where we can take any little valuable nugget that we have here and put it out and give it to more people. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to see you back for more gratitude and leadership. Bye.